And now we're recording. Welcome to She, Her, Hers, a podcast where we talk about the challenges and joys of staying in a trans-cis relationship. I'm Vicki, and I use she, her, hers pronouns. I'm Aubrey, and I also use she, her, hers pronouns. Today we're doing shit queer people say, or queer terms 101. These are some, but not all of the terms that queer people say and use to identify themselves and others in order to correctly identify each other in the wild. This is by no means a comprehensive list. However, these are some of the more common ones that we say all the time. And this is literally a 101. It may be even like a 90 level class. This is, I don't know what the heck you're saying. It's like you're speaking Latin. Please tell me what you mean. This is like when British people say like brekkie or chuffed or something. Like you need to go to the Googler and be like, what do chuffed mean? Because you got to get your British bake show on. Yeah, you can't, you can't not know what chuffed means because it doesn't sound like what you think it means somebody said chuffed recently and i was like oh my gosh what the heck were they british was. I, not identifiably so hmm. and that's why it was like kind of odd to me hmm. yeah i mean we're mostly just trying to get you on the same page so that you understand what's going on here uh we want you to be in the know so that you can kind of laugh along with us in the the full guffaw Rather than just kind of nervously laughing and giggling until you eventually figure it out through context what the heck we're talking about. Right, right. This is all in the spirit of educating people. So this is not about shaming people or being like, you're an idiot and you don't know things. Which is why I'm not like, give this to all of your straight friends that don't know what the hell you're talking about. Like, that's not what this is about. People should come to this because they're interested, not because... You're like, hey, dum dum. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk about the people in our lives that we that we know that like identify with these things. Like, oh, I thought you were gonna say maybe we'll talk about the people who are dum dums. Oh no, <laughs> no, let's not talk about that. <laughs> this is not about shaming people. Let's shame these people. <laughs> All right, so let's start with like the ones that specifically pertain to this podcast. What does trans mean? So trans is short for transgender. It is an adjective. Should be attached to like trans person or trans man, trans woman. It is, it is not a noun on its own. Trans activist. The trans is not okay or just, yeah. How do people even say it wrong? I don't remember. I know there's a way to say it's, it. It's not transgendered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not a transgendered individual. It's just, it modifies a noun. Yeah. And it's not a thing that happened to you. It just is a thing that you are. Well, Aubrey used to be normal, then she got all transgendered. Yeah, that's not a thing. <laughs> so trans is 
just shorthand for that, and we use it in a lot of places. Yeah. And we usually shorten it to trans, as in trans, cis. Uh, because those are both the prefixes to words. So cis refers to cisgendered. And basically, the prefix cis means in agreement with or on the same side as. Yeah, it's a scientific term. Yeah. And it's not meant as a slur or anything bad. It's just basically giving a term for the opposite of transgender. Like, transgender people do not agree with what they were assigned at birth. When the doctor assigned them at birth, they're like, hey, that doesn't really fit me. And cisgender people are like, hey, that does fit me. Yeah, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you've never had to question what your gender is or whether you fit into the roles that you've been assigned, you're probably cisgendered. I am a cisgender person because I do not disagree with the F on my birth certificate. I do disagree with the fact that we have F or M on our birth certificate, but... That's a different entire podcast that we can go into later. True. I actually think, speaking as a cisgender person, you can use the term cisgendered. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't mean anything. I mean, it's technically it not anything. correct, but yeah. Yeah, it's not correct. It's, a, it's still an adjective, but it is not incorrect because it's not a, it's not a slur. <laughs> like, since cisgendered is not... That person is a cisgendered person. Yeah, I would I would refrain from using that. Oh, you would say yeah. you would refrain? No. Because well, I guess it just it does creates con- a bad precedent. Okay. Yeah, I would I would just just go with cis. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Know that it means cisgender. Yeah. That that's where you should go from there. I would also add to that that this does not mean normal. Because if you say that cis means normal, you're saying that trans means abnormal. Right. And that's not a thing. It may be common. Yeah, you, it's very common that your brain agrees with your genitals. Well, I actually, I don't even, I say it, and then I don't agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's messy, and yeah. biology agrees, like science actually agrees that there's a lot of space in there that we don't typically talk about when we have the two codified sections because there's a lot of people in between. Yeah. There's a lot of people on the edges. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it doesn't work with the science as a whole. Yeah. It so. works when you throw away a bunch of the data. Yeah, exactly. So. If you're if you're focusing on the the tips of the bell curves. Yeah, and and the opposite of cis trans means on the opposite side as. Right. So, I disagree with what I've been assigned at birth. Yeah. By doctors. Right. Who are not in my experience. You should never assign people identities. Yeah. That's always self-assigned. Speaking of other self-assigned identities, pan is another one you'll hear. Mm -hmm. What does pansexual mean? Pan is a sexual orientation that denotes being attracted to all genders. Mm -hmm. It's not, it it differs a little bit from bi, um, even though they are used interchangeably in some instances. Bi tends to mean my gender or other genders. Mm -hmm. um, Whereas at least the way that you have told me how you what it means to you is that like gender doesn't even factor into it mm-hmm. that you just love people mm-hmm. and you feel attraction toward people yes humans mm-hmm. and pan can be applied to pansexual 
as well as pan-romantic, mm-hmm. like who you want to be in a romantic relationship with. It's another one of those prefixes that can be applied to a bunch of things. Yeah. Usually when we talk about pan on this podcast, we're talking about pansexual, not panromantic. And we will definitely make a clarification if we do talk about panromanticism or if we talk about pan, the Greek satyr god. Yeah, usually romantic and sexual attraction are linked. Mm-hmm. Like people just assume that they're together, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case. What do we have next for, for Les? Well, Les is short for lesbian. This is another one that gets into a weird shady place where you and I don't think of Les, L-E-S or L-E-Z as a derogatory term, but people have used it in the past. Like, oh, you're going to go Les out or whatever. Les is just short for lesbian, which means that you are a female identifying person who is attracted to other female identifying people. Women loving women is another term that people will use for that. Yeah. So that one we're pretty, we're pretty clear on in our culture at large, but we will the reason why I brought this up is we do truncate it to Les and we're not talking uh, in any kind of derogatory way. Aubrey identifies as a lesbian and because I am in a relationship with a female, people usually put me in the category of lesbian, which I'm completely comfortable with. Like, I don't feel any sort of erasure because that is part of my identity. Yeah, because you identify as a woman, yeah. correct? Right. So. so I can be a lesbian and you can be pansexual and that relationship works out just fine. Right. But be cognizant of other people who would feel erasure if you call the lesbian when they are actually bisexual. Just because people are in hetero relationships doesn't make them hetero. And just because people are in uh, same-sex relationships doesn't make them homosexual. You don't know. You don't know. And that's cool. That's fine. So the next one that we have is cishet, which is a portmanteau combining of the word cisgender and heterosexual. In case you don't know, heterosexual means that you like a person of the opposite sex mm-hmm. or of, I don't know, like that's the weirdest one for me because it, it like leaves a lot of people out. And so it's kind of strange. But cishet just is a shortening of both of those terms to kind of mean the common person, mm-hmm. the person who doesn't have anything different going on about them. Yeah, these are the people who have never had to question their identity and have never been questioned in society about their identity. I would say that this does actually refer to, quote, normals, not in the way of like... It is normal to be this is, way. It is not normal to be this way. That is the group of people that every that a large number of people in society think is normal. Like, they just think that that is how things are. But that's not true. Well, that's not true. And that's, I mean... I feel like at this point in history, that is willful ignorance. Yeah. I mean, you're also the champion of nobody is fully heterosexual. Like everybody is queer, (laughs) which is our next term. What does queer mean to you? Okay. So queer for us doesn't mean anything derogatory. Queer is sort of the blanket term to mean anything in the LGBTQIA plus Queer just refers to all of those identities. So if you are asexual, you fall into the queer category. If you are a lesbian, you fall into the queer category. If you are a demisexual, but you're only attracted to 
people who are the opposite gender as you, you're still queer. What does demisexual mean? Oh, what? did we put demisexual on here? No, we didn't. Demisexual means that, I mean, it's very basic. I mean, I feel like I have to stop here and make another disclaimer. All of these are far more complex than we are making them out to be. This is just like a, a brief overview. Yeah, and everybody has their own feelings on Mm -hmm. what these mean to them, especially when we get into like Demi and Arrow and Ace and all of those identities tend to be very specific to the person. So demisexual means that you have to have an emotional connection with a person before you can find them attractive. This is sort of like sapiosexual in that you have to have a different kind of attraction to them before you can find them attractive. Sapiosexuals, if you didn't know, are attracted to intelligence. Like you have to find a person intelligent and you find intelligence attractive and then Mm. you are able to find them sexually attractive. Those really smart, nerdy people Mm. who like know the very specific terms about things and are super into <laughs> categorization. I don't know, labeling, filing, like Fi- <laughs> any number numbers, of things, numbers, numbers, stamps, stamps, history. I mean, to some extent, I can kind of feel some of that. Like mm, Dewey Decimal. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There's also allosexual, which actually experiences sexual attraction mm-hmm. to other people so that's what would be considered to be common yeah and then the opposite of aloe now we're back on track yeah the opposite of allosexual would be ace uh ace is a short a shortening for asexual which means that you do not experience physical attraction towards other people And that doesn't mean that these people are asexual, like without sex, or they can't have sex, they don't like sex. Sometimes it means that... Sometimes they can be fully sex repulsed. Yeah. But sometimes they might want sex to, like, be closer to a partner or Mm -hmm. to feel uh, an emotional connection. Or they just like the act of it, even though they don't experience sexual attraction. They may also feel like their body needs it without without necessarily feeling that attraction towards other people or they they just literally don't feel that sexual attraction so they don't seek it out but if someone's like hey would you like to have sex they're like oh that sounds fine (laughs) yeah we have a friend who is ace and talks about how the ace and arrow community tend to talk about whether you would like like how you feel about cookies or bread i think it was cake oh cake it was the best how you feel about cake like you know i don't like to make cake but like if there's cake there i'm gonna eat it like Mm. i'll i'll just i'll just eat it because it's there I don't think about cake. I don't ever want cake. I don't actively seek out cake. But if someone offers me cake, I'll happily eat cake. Yeah. So think of it. Think of it in all those terms. You can also go as far as I don't like cake. I really truly don't like cake. I don't want. I'm never gonna want cake. I'm never gonna ask for cake. You give it to me, and I'm gonna be like, no. I'm just gonna push that plate away, and I'm just not gonna eat anything. Yeah. No, thank you. I'd rather starve than eat cake. I don't think it's that bad. I think they just, you know, don't like cake. I mean, maybe. (laughs) 
It's a, it's a very wide spectrum. Oh, it's that's not true. it's not a single like all asexual people are the same way. Yeah. Uh, I mean that goes for all of these identities. Like yeah. you can be super super lesbian. You could also be like okay with people being more more masculine or feminine or however. Like there's lots of ranges there. So we already talked about aerosexual. Um, no, we didn't talk. We talked a little bit about it, but we didn't like finish talking about it. Did we. Arrow is not aerosexual. Aromantic. Arrow is short for aromantic, is the sexual identity where the person doesn't feel romantically attracted. So they don't they don't get those gushy feelings about being in a romantic relationship and dating and wanting to have the like butterflies and the all of that stuff. They're, and this is another spectrum where sometimes they're just aromantic where they're like, they don't feel it. And then there's all the way to like romantically repulsed where they're like, that is, that does not do it for me. Mm-hmm. Now, transition uh, is the process of aligning your body with your gender. But I feel like this is this is tough <laughs> because it means so many different things. Well, it's aligning the your body or your presentation or the way that you're perceived. It's it's aligning all of that with like your gender identity, your personal one. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people think of transition as the process of going from one extreme to the other. So right. medical transition. Yeah, presenting fully female and transitioning all the way over and presenting fully male and changing your entire body to to look more ma- masculine. And the same with feminine feminization. But it can mean any number of things. Like you were saying, it can be the way you dress, growing your hair out, changing changing your outward presentation. That's all part of transition. Um, and it stops whenever the person wants to stop. Like, in order to transition, you don't have to go all the way and do full medical transition and body augmentation. Yeah, you don't have to get surgery if you don't want to. You don't have to get med- meds if you don't want to. It's kind of up to what the individual needs. Because if they go too far, or if they go into a space that isn't going to be right for them, then they're going to get the same dysphoria feelings that they already were getting before they started transitioning. Mm-hmm. It's a very personal journey, and it's a vi- it's very individual to what that person needs to feel like they've completed their transition. Yeah, and there's different types. I guess there are different terms for where you are um, or, like, what you choose to do with your transition. Like, you can be post-op, so you've had operations. Um, You can be pre-op, like you plan to get operations, but you have not yet. You can also be non-op, you're choosing not to get an operation, and all of that is a valid option for transitioning you're not more trans than anybody else because you did steps or you didn't do steps the only thing that makes you trans is that feeling of 
not being right in your body or your presentation or your um, the way that other people see you, like all of that stuff. Just a, one more interjection yeah. about uh, being trans and it being uh, completely individual. Just because someone wears makeup doesn't mean that they're trans. If someone does wear makeup, it can be part of their transition. Yeah. So, and that goes for everything. Makeup was just a really obvious example. Yeah. I just would caution against being like, oh, if if everybody has a different trans journey, then any sort of feminization or masculine tendencies that are, quote unquote, moving away from their given gender, then, then they're, tra- they're transitioning. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. It's difficult. It's not difficult. It's actually very simple. How you how you navigate this whole system is you form relationships with people and you have honest conversations with them and you figure out what how they feel. Yeah. Are you going to do it or do you want me to? I was going to do it. Do it. What is your problem? You're really you excited. Asked me, you asked me what I wanted to say. I'm just in. I'm like on it. You're like in apparently it. I need to eat fish tacos and then podcast. Like that's yeah, the order do. that we need to do. Yeah. And usually we do it through therapy. It's not always accessible or affordable to people. Um, Just like medication is not always accessible or affordable to people. And surgery is not always accessible or affordable to people. And that, like the fact that our documentation and things at one time relied on those requirements that you like complete a surgery a lot of people choose not to get them or can't afford them. And it's not fair to them to not have their identity documents match how they feel or how they present because it puts them at, in an unsafe place if their documents don't match. Uh, some places still do that. And it is something that we're changing. Sorry to get a little deep on that. But when you do transition... Take your soapbox away. I'm going to take it away and I'm going to hide it in the closet. Okay. Uh, when you do transition or if you are, if you identify as like a one of these identities that we're talking about that's kind of outside the common stream, outside the cishet identity, you go through a process called coming out where you have to tell other people that you identify the way that you identify and usually they're is either some embracing or some pushback or some sort of reaction to the fact that you feel this different way. I would say that you never have to come out to people. Correct. It's true. But there could be a situation where you personally find it necessary to tell another person. And that is what is called, what is known as coming out. It's usually a romantic partner that you have to come out to because you have to let them know. Yeah, they kind of have to be aware of what's going on there. Because their own identities are not necessarily affected, but like impacted. Like their identity doesn't necessarily change, but depending on what their identity is, that can change the terms of the relationship. Um, another common place that you have that people find themselves coming out is within their families. Because generally, especially if you're trans and you're going to go through a physical transformation, they're going to notice. So saying something is often the way to go rather than just showing up one day and being like, hey, haven't seen you in five years. Here I am. Yeah, if you choose not to 
if you choose to transition and not to tell anybody, that's usually called going stealth. Mm-hmm. And stealth just means that you literally don't tell anybody that you are trans at all. You may cut all of your ties with everybody that you know so that nobody would be able to tell that you were ever the gender that you the gender were assigned. You <laughs> I'm leaving this gender. It's not a good relationship. And a lot of trans people feel like, oh, I was always this gender. Mm-hmm. Like, I was always a girl, even though for a while I thought I was a boy. Mm-hmm. People were telling me I was a bi and I tried it out, but it didn't really work. And some people know from a really young age and some people don't. Another term that uh, Aubrey and I use a lot is spoons. And this refers to like the measure of your emotional energy. Basically, you start off in a day with a certain number of spoons or you wake up in the morning with four spoons and then you take a shower and eat breakfast and you walk out of the house with five spoons. And then everything that happens to you from then on either takes away a spoon or adds a spoon and so... So when we say we're out of spoons, that means that we just don't have emotional energy left and it's getting really difficult to function at a high level. Yeah, usually when we say it to each other, it's like, hey, I'm feeling really spent today. And if you are able, I need you to pick up the slack. If you're not, I'm letting you know where I'm at so that we can both just be aware that neither one of us is going to be able to fully take this on. Yeah. managing each other's expectations and changing changing up what you do to meet the number of spoons that you have left is is key yeah because if you're expecting to make this big elaborate dinner but it turns out that the only thing that you have enough spoons for is to put some tortillas in the microwave and throw some cheese on it uh that's what is going to be for dinner that's dinner or you order dinner sometimes you don't have enough spoons to get on the phone So you got to do it online. Mm -hmm. Partner is one that we use a lot. Aubrey and I like to use wife with each other because it is gendered. Um, But we don't usually do it with other people. I always say wife. Uh I, I tend to say partner mostly because it leaves space for other people. Because partner is the gender neutral term of like spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, significant other, like all those things. I always say wife out of respect for you. I mean, I, I appreciate that. But also you could say partner and I would not, I would not feel bad. Anyway, partner refers to your significant other that could be boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse. It's the gen, yeah, like you said, it's the gender neutral term for the person that you're in the relationship with. And it's usually one person, but it could refer to, you could have multiple partners as well. I feel like when when people don't know us well, I will often use partner. When people do, then I might start switching it out. But I try, I just try and leave that space for it's okay, however, however people identify, like that it doesn't feel different. So here, this is actually a conversation that I had with one of my elder gays. Elder gay is a term for your gay elder. Yeah, elder gays isn't like an attack from uh, (laughs) an elder gazer. (laughs) My fun way of saying your gay elder but we were having this conversation and because she was she grew up in a different generation she called her partner partner because they weren't allowed to be married for a very long period of time so a lot of gay people use the 
especially if they're older than a certain age, will use partner regardless mm. because they prefer the gender neutral term because it is it's unifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, some queer people, especially if they're over a certain age, will f- kind of frown on you saying wife or husband if you're in a same-sex relationship because then it doesn't identify you as a member of the queer community. However, the way that I explained it to her when I was talking about calling you my wife is that it is a gendered term that helps, especially when I'm introducing you to someone, be like, this is my wife, Aubrey. That way, if it's someone we've never met and they're just walking up to us, they already know your pronouns. Right. It, it kind of carries that task along with yeah. it. Do you, do you, how do you feel about me using the term partner? Would you prefer me to use the term wife? Yes. Okay, I could do that. I would prefer that. However, I totally understand like needing to use partner in a different situation, in a different setting. Because again, it is unifying. People have partners way before they have marriages, way before they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or anything like that. Like this is, and it also is kind of, I know that it shouldn't have a deeper meaning like this, but I feel like it is more equalizing. You're not, Mm -hmm. you're not giving someone the, the psychic weight of what it means to be a wife. Right. It's more freeing. Yeah, I don't feel like that term carries that weight, but I do understand how people might be like, I don't mean the patriarchy version of a wife. I mean, like, the lady who I am married to, who is my partner. You also have partnerships in, like, business, Mm -hmm. which people often say is like a marriage, or, like, teams and whatnot, so. See, I think that's why I prefer you to call me your wife, because if you were just talking about Vicky, my podcast partner, they wouldn't know that we're married. True. Because I talk about Jessica, my podcast partner all the time. And I don't expect people to realize that, like, I don't expect people to think that we're married. That's fair. As soon as I tell them what our podcast is about, it's pretty clear (laughs) that we're we're talking about staying in our transition relationship. That is kind of inferred, but I see your point and I, I will use it more often now. It's about preferences and it's about knowing people's preferences, but it's also about understanding that different, different situations call for different terms. Mm-hmm. There is also dysphoria. That's a term that we haven't discussed, that we haven't um, defined yet. Go on. Yeah, dysphoria is the dissonance that is caused by being in a body or having a presentation or filling roles that are being perceived as something that you don't identify as. So uh, if you feel like you're a boy, but everybody sees you as a girl or that your body keeps reminding you that you're born a girl or all of your clothes remind you that you're a girl, like all of that can cause dysphoria. Mm -hmm. Um, On the flip side, there is also euphoria. Gender euphoria would be that really good feeling that you get from affirming that gender identity. So like for me, like I just, I felt really great as I started expressing my gender when I would try feminine shoes on. And when I started trying to put makeup on and I started like getting clothes that actually fit me and made me feel feminine, like all of those things kept making me feel so good and like giving me so much more energy than when I was presenting male. I had really strong euphoria and not dysphoria. It just kind of continued leading me down the path 
of transition. I guess what I'm trying to say is it is common to have dysphoria if you're trans, but it is not a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. Not every person has to have dysphoria. You may instead have euphoria or have some other experience that still identifies you as trans. I also want to put in here that it's not dysphoria to be unhappy with your gender role and be railing against it. Like, I didn't particularly like all the gender roles that were assigned to me as a female, and I still rail against them. But that doesn't mean that I have gender dysphoria. Right. Because that doesn't go against the gender that you feel you are. You just feel that that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. Clarifying and... That's a good way to clarify it. Yeah. Super, super incendiary topic. Uh, TERFs. So usually we'll just say TERF and then we'll just move on. So TERF is an acronym that means Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminist. So these are the feminists who feel that uh, trans women are just men dressing, at, you know, dressing as a woman and then taking over their spaces. And then most TERFs actively seek to limit the rights of transgender people. These people are not good people, and they are confused. Yeah, these are usually the radical, quote-unquote, feminists of the 90s who had to fight really hard for their um, queer identity and their queer space, usually in lesbian culture, and they, in general, actively hate men. And in general, are the people who give feminists a bad name. There are many more fe- people who give feminists a bad name, but these are one. These are these are some of them. So when we refer to TERFs, it is um, referring to a specific type of woman who does not want trans women to exist. That- yeah, they don't see them as women. Yeah. Which they are. Mm-hmm. If somebody identifies as a woman, they are a woman. If they identify as a man, they are a man. They don't respect that. Mm-hmm. And it's really it's really tough because they fought so hard to get these rights, but what they overlook is that there were trans people leading the charge yeah. and fighting that fight with them. Mm-hmm. It's not like we just suddenly appeared and are here to take their space like <laughs> We were right there, and then they chucked us overboard. And it often is grabbing on to 
like campaigns that are started by people who don't have our best interests at heart, Mm -hmm. who do want to divide the communities because our movement, our queer movement, has such a strong presence and a good track record of actually making change happen. I think that is a a very effective tactic to divide us and conquer us. Mm Mm-hmm. Then we've come to the Kinsey scale. So Kinsey was a psychologist, and they came up with this scale from one to six, one being exclusively hetero and six being exclusively homosexual. And so uh, Kinsey postulated that everybody falls somewhere between one and six, rather than being one or the other, or X meaning exclusively asexual. So they are still on the scale, but they are exclusively asexual. Um, But I find this scale actually even a little bit limiting because it includes the concept that you can be exclusively heterosexual or exclusively homosexual. Like there isn't a gorgeous woman out there that wouldn't be able to uh, woo you. Like that's just ridiculous. Right, that doesn't jive with how how you feel. <laughs> yeah, I I leave space for that and my own identity of like, I I'm very lesbian. I don't feel sexual attraction towards men, but I leave space for that opportunity that it could happen. Right, you're you're like a five point nine, a queer lesbian. Yeah, five. I guess you could say that, but like. Yeah, where would you put yourself on the Kinsey scale? I don't know. I've taken... Have you taken the test for this? I haven't taken the test, but again, you choose. I have, and the the questions are not great. Oh, you choose. I mean, I would probably be like like a five, five and a half. I'm, I'm pretty strongly like I, I'm into women, and that's that's mostly it. Although... That's that's part of why I say that I I'm a little bit queer because I could totally be into non-binary people like yeah non-binary but this, people the are scale hot. doesn't leave space for that Ugh. yeah so the Kinsey scale although it's really useful to get people out of the mindset that it's diametrically opposed or you're at one side or the other or whatever it does leave a lot to be desired I would say that I'm a Kinsey three like right in the middle (laughs) yeah three and a half but i also feel like nobody is a one or a six so i'm a i'm a three and nobody else is a one and nobody else is a six like that doesn't exist that that is your i can i can definitely see people being exclusively asexual but that doesn't, that's not a... That, that doesn't necessarily mean, like, this is just sexual attraction, right? Right. Like, that doesn't mean romantic attraction. So, how do you feel we did? Like, did we give a good overview of different queer terms? Like, I feel like these are our most used terms. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely other terms that we'll bring up, and we'll probably explain them as we bring them up. But this is a good, like, starter set yeah. to, to get you going. Uh, something that I do want to point out is that there are so many ways, there are as many ways to identify as there are humans on the planet. Usually you hybridize these terms anyway. Like you're an asexual, demisexual, like you are a lesbian, you are a cis lesbian, or you are a heterosexual, you can be a heterosexual, asexual. 
a heterosexual aromantic. You are heteroromantic asexual. I guess that that yeah, that's a better way of putting it because if you say heterosexual, you are saying that you're actually attracted and if you don't experience attraction then yeah so you are heteroromantic and asexual Mm -hmm. and that's something that we're not used to saying right like i'm attracted to women physically but i'm i might be panromantic i could be in a relationship with anybody right or vice versa i'm pansexual but i am uh homoromantic yeah i'd say i'm Pansexual, panromantic, uh, pan-theon. So you're just pan. I'm pan. I'm so pan. Like a pancake? Mm, I'm a pancake. I'm a panda. I'm a pan flute. Okay. Yep, stick into it. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, but there's also a lot of terms that we didn't use, like uh, gender fluid, bigender, agender. There's like transsexual... Um, transvestite cross-dressers like there's all kinds of terms in this space that we haven't talked about yet but they're also ones that we'll probably bring up when it's important yeah and some of the ones that Aubrey just mentioned are sort of uh, antiquated terms that we wouldn't want to confuse newbies with right these are the current accepted terms for the most part Mm mm-hmm Today was a pretty good day. We had a podcast, so. Yeah, I mean, I've been feeling really good on the podcast, and we made fish tacos. Those were amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for those vegan of you, fish tacos. Yeah, I was going to say, when we say a food, we mean a vegan version of that. <laughs> yeah, we've been eating vegan for like, what, eight or like 10 to 11 months now? We started in April. So, yeah, 10 months. We've been vegan for like 10 months now, and it's really great, and we love it, and uh, all of the things that we make these days are vegan. So. Yeah. How are, you, how are you feeling today? Oh, Lord. Our weekend was so busy and packed with things, but it was so good because we went to the Humane Society, and we pet all the cats, and <sighs> so I now only want to adopt 11 out of the 50 cats that are there, and I mean, I feel like I've really narrowed it down. And then... There's really only like 15 and like two of them are adopted already. So when she says narrowed it down, (laughs) I'm just just letting you know. And then we went to a friend's house and they have big fluffy puppies that we got to love on and and hug and kiss and pet. And they're they're good puppies. Yeah. Felt really good. And we hung out with friends for... Like a girls' Valentine's hangout, and mm-hmm. we uh, Vicky got to put together a puzzle together with her friend. Yeah, I think that's a thing now. Yeah, I think I'm gonna make it a thing. Even if Rachel doesn't want to put any more puzzles together with me, I bought nine puzzles today. So, so you're gonna put some puzzles. <laughs> I'm gonna put some puzzles together. <laughs> yeah, what did you like about doing puzzles? Huh? Just like it feels good in your brain, and you're like actively doing something and your brain is like working something out 
but you have to be hyper-focused on it. So you can't really be all up in your head. You have to be like, where does this piece go? I don't know. Let me check. I don't know. It was very, it was very calming. It was very nice. It did get a little stressful at the end because I think we were both a little bit annoyed at the puzzle that we were working on. And I think that, so the puzzle that we were working on, um, all the pieces were very, very similar shape. And so it was difficult to know that you've put the puzzle, the piece in the right place, um, especially because there was a lot of flowers. So we had a couple of pieces that were out of place. That's all I'm really trying to say here. We had a couple of pieces that were out of place and therefore we were missing pieces for a really long time that we obviously had put somewhere else and we couldn't get the pieces that we had left to fit in the place where there was a piece out of place. Which is weird, because if those ones went somewhere else, you'd think that they'd still fit, even if they were the wrong colors. No, no. no, So strange. No, no. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for me, today was pretty good, and this weekend was good. I reconnected with some friends. That feeling where you both really missed each other, but, like, you are both really happy to to see each other and like talk about everything and kind of just catch up. It's just, it's, it's really nice. And it gives me a lot of energy because it's like, oh, right. I remember how this relationship feels. I remember that I do have other like strong relationships. I just don't always have them in front of me when I need them. It gave me a lot of energy today. And like work is in a place that is starting to align a little better. Like I, I did some good communicating today mm. and like it, everything just kind of clicked and felt a lot better today. So yeah, so. that's news to me. This is why we need a podcast. And so you tell me this. So we actually like talk about it and like, yeah. it's not just, how was your day? Yeah, it was okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you want to put a puzzle together with me? Yeah, let's go. Let's go put puzzles together. All right. Woo. Let's Yay. do it. Yay. We did a podcast. Woo. Uh, you can find us many places on the internet at she, her, hers pod, or on our new website, www.sheherhers.com. Our music is by Tim Roscoe. You can find him at Tim Roscoe on all of the social medias or on 50 Bad Songs, which we were a guest on. Anna's going to come out soon-ish. We don't, Anna, I'm really yeah. excited. We don't actually know... When it's gonna come out, but we made a song we made with a song. our friend, yeah. and it's if you want to go hear us make a song, then maybe maybe go over there. Eventually. It is a bad song, so yeah. I mean, all of the songs are quote unquote bad songs, but they're not. I love them, I, but I'm biased. He's my friend, so you should all listen to the episode that we did and tell us if it's a good song or a bad song. You know, I think it's like Cats, there are no bad songs. Yeah, that's probably true. There are only songs that are not right for certain people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Once again. Woo! All right. Woo! Woo! Woo!